and welcome to today's edition of Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I interview Shannon Peston. Shannon is the Director of Women's Entrepreneurship at ATP Financial. Shannon gives me a heartfelt conversation on her views on women in business, the effects that banking can have on, on women, both from a small business and a personal standpoint, and what we need to do to clear the way to move us forward. Join me in welcoming Shannon Peston. Shannon, well, welcome to the show this morning. We've been having a lot of some great chats uh, off off air, and um, I'm really excited to dive into you today about not only Calgary but some of the topics that you're you're very passionate about. So, start off with du- director of let me get it right here, director of women's entrepreneurship, business, and agriculture. Quick question: Why business and agriculture? Are they treated very separately at ATB? Is that why they've kind of been called like called out that way? One of the areas of expertise uh, for ATB is business and agriculture. Uh, focusing more on women entrepreneurs, I, I am more on the business side, but okay. it is one of our areas of expertise and one of the pillars of our organization. Okay, that makes sense. I just saw it and I was like, oh, was, they called it out, so I wanted to ask. How long have you been with ATB? Almost 10 years, nine, 10 years. Oh, wow, that's a lifetime. Good for you. Yeah. And did you start, how long have you been in this specific role? This role specifically, I've been in for two years. I actually started at ATB in as a senior marketing manager, ah. and I spent about two years. The marketing. dark, the dark side, the marketing the dark side. side. <laughs> well, you know, and I, my whole career has been in marketing, so it was. Well, that's your background. That's your education, right? Mm-hmm. So you have marketing, yeah. yeah. That. And uh, it was it was interesting because I have a, I've always been drawn to entrepreneurship. My my dad had his had his own business, and so ATB was a really great fit for me. Um, but it was interesting because as I was in marketing, you know, I kept thinking about who our customer is. And I kept having this feeling that I wanted to be pulled closer to the entrepreneur and work more closely with them. And maybe that was through advisory or understanding our economy better. I wasn't sure quite what that looked like, but I ended up becoming a business banker. Okay. And I spent about six years doing that. And uh, it was while I was in business banking that I sort of just saw these differences between my male customers and the women owned businesses that I was working with. And, uh, Next thing I knew, I was I was in this in this new role as as the lead for the women's entrepreneurship strategy at ATB. Was it? Did that role exist before, or is that something that's evolved? And you, the role, everything kind of li- the stars lined up. Yeah, the stars just lined up for it. I think it was interesting, but in my role, I sort of became de facto this. Um, the banker that was became the girl's business banker. So if you were in business, you wanted to talk to Shannon. And I started having really great conversations with women, but the deeper I went into our conversations, and I think women talk differently to, to one another, so different vulnerabilities would okay. come out, but I started to, to hear some themes. And um, as these themes kind of stuck with me, I started researching. And as you research, you, you kind of like peel back the onion of the layer and it keeps getting deeper and deeper. And I started to see not just um, some of the barriers that I saw, but some of the structural as well as the, as well as the systemic barriers that were in front of women. And so I started speaking with uh, ATB about what I was seeing, and gradually over the over the course of a couple of years, um, this role came to life. Isn't it? So we're here to we're here to talk about transformation today, specifically from a Calgary. But your role sounds you're transforming the banking world to be more friendly towards female entrepreneurs. Is that a, is that a is that a correct summary to kind of bring that into a point? Yeah, I think that's a great summary. And, uh, you know, my role specifically is is one of the things that I'm most interested in is taking a look at how the banking system is today and, and how it serves its customer base, but recognizing that demographics have changed significantly. And the uh, the role that wealth creation and w- that role that women are playing in wealth creation and... So for me, it's it's looking at more gender intelligent business models and trying to help us understand how do we better meet 
the needs of our fifty percent of our customers, which are women. Uh, you said that offline, the, the, you know, business, you know, neutral, gender neutral businesses, which I think feels like we've been aspiring to just treat everyone the same. But you made the point in kind of our pre-chat on that. No, it actually is different that these groups we, as respectively. I love the gender intelligence comment of actually meeting people where they are versus trying to just homogenize everyone to be the same. Yeah, I th- you know, at ETB, we really want to be customer obsessed. But when you're customer obsessed, it really means taking a true look at what that customer's needs are and being also very aware of the role that you play in meeting those needs. And when, you know, I started looking at women entrepreneurs specifically, but it's it's not just about women entrepreneurs. It's, it's really about how the banking system can uh, help women reach their full economic potential. And um, as entrepreneurs, I think... Uh, Sorry, I've got. I've totally lost the question for, there, Tyler. Um, no worries. We're just talking about the 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 gender intelligence and the oh right, yeah, okay, sorry. Ver- versus the gender. I know you said that in an interesting beginning, like gender neutral, which is feeling like where businesses kind of aspired. It's gonna. It's all relevant because we're gonna talk about. Okay, so now what does that mean when we talk about Calgary and this quote unquote like mass transformation we're going through, and, and I would argue need to go through. Mm-hmm. Well, and the gender intelligent model, thank you for bringing me back there. No problem. But it's, it's really, again, understanding about the differences that uh, exist between men and women in entrepreneurship. And we, when we take a look at women, we hear things like they have um, different barriers, such as access to financial capital, um, access to social capital, which would be your networks, and as well as entrepreneurial capital, which is what business skills do I need? What personal skills do I need to be the most successful business person that I can be? And so it's it's really understanding the the gaps that exist and trying to ask ourselves what role does the financial industry that includes VCs, angel, banks, like what role does do we have as an industry to sort of correct these gaps? Okay, so, which uh, clearly that that's that's it's a path that we're on, but it's going to take time. But the first thing is you have to really and being customer centric is an easy thing to say; it's a hard thing to do. <laughs> Because well, you have to really get out of your own way, aka what you believe to be true, and find out what the customer is actually experiencing. It's 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 a challenge. It's a well, buzzword. It's a very popular buzzword right now, too. <laughs> it is a popular buzzword, and and you're right. In a lot of cases, it's it's a simpler process. Uh, in banking, for example, you're dealing with systemic and cultural barriers, and this is not going to change in the next year or two years. I mean, you're looking at 10, 20 years, 20 years out to say how do we change this. So when, you know, the core of today's conversation is really talk about the economic transformation that Calgary is going through, what that looks like. So from your perspective, are you still out there front lines dealing with, with, with female entrepreneurs on a regular basis? I'm not. That's part of, you know, I'm talking a lot to entrepreneurs, but as a, as a business lender, I'm, I'm no longer in that space. Okay. Uh, my work is really around a few pieces. Advocacy is one. So okay. really helping to bring some of these, these challenges to light, uh, working with different ecosystem players and trying to bring everyone together to solve this common problem, because we're all saying, we all recognize the challenge, but we're all saying, how do we do this together? Cause we cannot do it in isolation. So I spent a right. lot of my time there and I spent a lot of time looking at globally what's, what's happening and what other their financial industries are, how they're taking a lead on this. So a lot of research, a lot of trying to understand the problem, but no, I'm not dealing with customers. Okay. Well, I'm curious because from an economic transformation perspective, you know, clearly Calgary is going through a lot of change. The last three to mm-hmm. five years has been very challenging. Our main industry has shifted, you know, peeled back, you know, and then and in the process of changing. So I was curious from your perspective around that transformation, around this theme and concept around um, 
more empowerment and le- creating a better environment for female entrepreneurs. Curious the role you see that playing in this transformation that Calgary is going through as we're kind of trying to find different ways to bring our economy forward and maybe shore up other aspects of it beyond just the oil and gas sector. Mm. Well, you raised a great point because it comes around with diversity of, of industry as well. And, and I think what we're seeing with women entrepreneurs is that what they're solving in, in many cases is social problems and they're looking at ways to enhance the community. So it's not just like I have this widget and how do I make the most money off of this widget? It's, you know, how, how is this, how is there a problem that I am solving and I have a product or a, a service that, that tailors to that. So I think it's really understanding the way that women are entering into entrepreneurship, their okay. motivation for entrepreneurship, um, which also includes necessity versus opportunity, um, and and helping more women to start and grow their businesses. How are we doing that? Like, how, let's talk about the positive. Where are we doing that well? Because obviously, when we're trying to solve a major problem like our economy going forward, we need all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. So, creating any barriers that's going to keep anyone out, especially because of gender, seems ridiculous. Yeah. So, where let's talk about the positive side, and we'll talk about maybe where it's not working afterwards. But where are we doing that well? Are you seeing is it different organizations? Is it different? Like, what's what? What are we getting right right now, from your perspective? I think what we're getting right is the start of a conversation. And again, you're dealing with a huge system here, which is the financial industry. So the fact that we're seeing all the banks talking about this, we're seeing venture capitalists talking about this, we're seeing the angel community talking about it, that in and of itself is quite monumental. Okay. Um, And recognizing as a system that we have a part to play in this. Education is doing really well. And I also have to say that government has done a really great job at this as well in trying to understand where they come in from a policy perspective. And because again, this is such a big issue, it does rely on on multiple players at, at different levels from policy all the way down to those who are on the ground helping entrepreneurs. So I think what we are doing well is the conversation. Okay. So if I take the last five years, kind of when, you know, the start of, quote unquote, the downturn that we're, we're still experiencing, has, it, has, it, has there been a progression? Like, is this kind of slowly and then all of a sudden, or is it still just kind of like working its way through the system? Well, I would say that from a, a female entrepreneurship standpoint, that uh, like what we're seeing in the numbers is that more women, like the growth of women entrepreneurs has been, has actually exceeded the pace of male entrepreneurs. So the heart and the determination and the will to be, to go into business ownership or entrepreneurship is, is there. And I think that what we're, when we look at Canada, uh, Western Canada in particular, but Alberta has done a very good job at producing entrepreneurs. And it's not so much a startup question. The, for me, it's, it's, What's going? To, where are these businesses going to look like five years from now? Are okay. they? How are they scaling? And so that becomes the next part of the challenge. But I think that the the heart and the desire for women is is there. And has that been just because we have an entrepreneur? Like if we're all, you know, Western Canada very entrepreneurial. I moved here from the east and found that yeah. there was just a very much an openness to. Again, back east, I grew up with a little bit more of a scarcity mindset. We're here. It's like, oh, hey, I can be successful. You can be successful too. It felt like there was very. Is that just been? Is that just our culture? Kind of well, lens to that? Yeah, I mean, part of it is that, but the the workplace has changed as well. I mean, mm. we've got these, like, what we call the gig economies, where you can have one gig here and one gig there, and, you know, you've got multiple <laughs> side, projects. Side hustles, and, yeah, You know, absolutely. the side hustles is, is, has, as in my opinion, revolutionized the way that people enter into entrepreneurship, because they might start mm. with a passion project, and suddenly they've got one customer, two customers, three, and before they know it, they have to leave their full-time job. All of a sudden one day they wake up and have a business. (laughs) 100%. So you have the side hustles that are influencing that. You're also having, because of the downturn, that's where you see entrepreneurship really 
come into play in, yeah. in, a, in that Alberta. Ne- that necessity piece is, is powerful. It is. And, and uh, there's a global uh, entrepreneurship monitor that's produced annually. And this was the first time that this report looked at Alberta women against uh, the country. Oh, interesting. So Alberta women against the country and then against a, a global perspective. And what was interesting is that in Alberta, there was, and, and I guess it's it's fairly intuitive with what we've gone through in the economy, but more women went into entrepreneurship because of necessity than the rest of the country. Right. I heard a statistic from one of the guests, and I forget who it was, they shared that that out of the startups that were happening in, I believe it was Western Canada, not specifically Calgary, but the Canadian average was 15% were started by women, but in Alberta, it was 30%. I was blown away by that. I was proud of that statistic. Am I missing pieces on that? Am I paraphrasing it incorrect? Um, well, when it comes to an innovation, innovation base, 30% of women businesses are going, are starting from an innovation standpoint. So we have a very high Uh, propensity to go into innovation, but you are right though, that in that as much as, uh, women are entering into entrepreneurship from a national perspective, they are underrepresented only 16% of majority. And this is the, the, kicker here, but it has to be majority women owned company. So 51% okay. uh, ownership or more. Okay. So depending on how the, how you're looking at the, the statistics, um, that, that sort of influences those numbers, but to that 16%, I mean, we still have underrepresentation, and we know from studies like such as McKinsey that if we, if advancing gender equality could, um, could add another $150 billion to the incremental GDP by 2025. Oh, wow. That's a real number, getting everybody everybody at the table that can contribute. And I, to- Totally. And that's exactly and, and why we're seeing this. At its simplest level, we can't, we're not in a place where we can be on the, Everyone who can contribute needs to be in the game. 100%. And from a government level, they have, the federal government put a women's entrepreneurship strategy in play in 2018. And one of the goals to that strategy is to double the number of women entrepreneurs in Canada by 2025. So very aggressive targets right there. So that goes to show just how intentional this strategy is and why the conversation is growing and why people are saying, how do I fit into this? Because it's, 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 it's influencing funding. It's influencing the programs that are being started. It's in, it's influencing the collisions of the ecosystem. Thank you for working that in. Nicely done. Nicely done. Well, I'm a huge believer that you made the comment earlier. This, these things can't change in isolation. Mm-mm. And there's lots. You know, part of this, what this podcast has done for me, it's really shown me how many great things are going on, but how isolated they are and how sometimes the stories aren't being well told. I think everyone has a marketing problem at one point or another, <laughs> or a storytelling problem. <laughs> we definitely have a storytelling problem. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I think for women too, it's, we've always been quite humble in our accomplishments and we need to encourage women to dream big and to be self-promoting and to elevate their brand and not be scared to hold a brand that um, they can put out there. But we're quite, you I, I, know, generalizing, you, but women tend to be shyer and, and they're not really celebrating the accomplishments that I think are worthy of celebrating. Well, if you're going to change the outcome, you've got to change the inputs as well. And, you, and you're right. If we do what we've always done, you know, cliche statements. So who, you know, from a female perspective, we have, I've met some fantastically powerful, successful, confident, like amazing women here in Calgary. Is there any that you would, you would call out as role models or people that have been inspirational to you that also other women can look to to say, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I have about a hundred thousand of role models. <laughs> That's awesome. And to be honest, yeah. Sorry, with you, that it's... was a tough one to put anyone on the spot. <laughs> but I think it's. I want to make it real for people. Like, oh, maybe you know that person who's listening to this and is like, I'm not sure, and maybe you know, am I? Is can I do? Can I do this? And you know, how do we get that to yes, you can? 
Yeah, I mean, I can think of women like Laura Murphy, who you know is is a in a very male dominated industry, but yes. two really. I'm a raving. Things. I'm a raving fan of. Laura. I am too, and I I just have all the time in the day for her. But what I love about her too is her focus on community, and I think that this is this is what's so awesome about working with women is when we're looking at their businesses, we're also creating these communities. And I think of other women, like I can think of Carly over at Chic Geek. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, is it Carly? I just totally. I believe so. I think. So I, I went with sorry, yes on because that's. I, I'm, just, I'm I going to apologize now if I have that. If no, I that's have okay. That wrong, so I'm putting, but, I put you on the spot. I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you in advance. I was going to ask you for preordained. But I think it's so important to like we. I, I know myself when I see something else is possible. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, okay. So there's no like seeing something and role models. You said it earlier about surrounding yourself and creating community around that. I think is very is very very important. And we often say you can't be what you can't see. And women are still lacking a lot of role models. And, you know, it takes it, it takes courage to go out and be an entrepreneur. And I think for women, some of the differences, too, is that in addition to being an entrepreneur, for many women, they're also the CEOs of their households. Yes. And so there's this dual role that they that they play. And, you know, we, and women, when they see other women doing what they maybe don't think that it was, was possible, it, it opens up this whole world of possibilities to say, how might I? Yes. Very interesting how our brains work. Like once, until you see something, it's not real, but that moment all of a sudden, and then the energy that can then flow towards that just because the possibility is opened up. And I've always loved Calgary because I felt it was a great environment for anything being possible to have any kind of barriers in there for a woman to not feel that that applies to her as well is completely missing. We're missing the boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's fantastic. And I, I appreciate ATB for, you know, having someone like yourself in the role to push, to push that forward. And so when you, when you look at our economy and this transformation, I guess, do you have any perspectives on the role that large, large organizations, enterprise level play versus the, the street you commented earlier about, you know, so many of these business aren't unicorns. They're not going to be 10 Xers, but they have huge impact on, on our societies. You know, the role you play, does it really scale up and down from the small, the encouraging someone to start a small business, you know, quote unquote entrepreneurial to someone going for a, the big play? What, what do you see as the role that those, that each kind of that side of that coin might play in this transformation we're on? I think that sometimes we're seduced by technology and the, the word tech. Seduced and, is a great word. And, uh, you know, we think that we have to be these unicorn businesses. And, and sometimes that presents challenges because women don't see themselves as being um, these massive companies. And the reality is, is that we need successful main streets to be thriving economies as well. So... Um, I, I just think it's really important that as much as technology is, is a huge driver for us, understanding that we still need the retails, we still need the restaurants, we still need the tailors, the the hair salons, the, you know, there's, we still need Main Street, I guess is okay. probably the easiest. Well, you said that before when we were pre-talking, I really liked it. It's so easy. And I think some of the past episodes, you made the comment that some of the guests I've talked to, it's talking about big technology and 10X and how are we going to create another unicorn and a thousand startups and, you know, innovation and what does that impact? But it takes, the, it's a big wheel to society that well, we Well, it have. is. And I mean, I would love to see a woman be the next Steve Jobs. And, you know, I'd love to see, I love to see these companies that are growing in these. And, and I do think that when it comes to innovation, women are playing a very critical role and, and you're seeing certainly more more women go into the tech space. I think mm-hmm. that we obviously can't ignore that. Um, I my point is that it's it's the whole ecosystem. It's it's not just tech. But I do think we need to encourage more of these smaller businesses to say what role might technology have in helping them scale. 
and and grow their companies that yes. way. And I think that's just you know arguably every company is a technology company right now, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's how technology influences the way you ser- ultimately service that client, and that's what we're really talking about. Yeah, technology removes the barriers and makes my life easier as a customer. It doesn't have to be a technology business, but it's going to play a part because unfortunately we expect it all to be that way. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was Kylie. Kylie Woods over at Chic Geek. Okay, so thank I'm you. sorry, Kylie. We, that's all right. We requoted. So I'll, I'll, we'll edit out that other part and make this part sound great. Like that was what we were talking about. Um, I love how the brain works. You're like, you stop thinking about it and all of a sudden it clicked back up to the top. Um, what's any, any call outs to what's not working? If you had the opportunity to go, you know what, if I was going to wave my magic wand in Calgary right now and change some of the things that, that you see in your, you know, your vantage point that's holding the economy back or not allowing us to maybe transform at the rate I'm going to say, quote unquote, we need to. Is there anything that kind of shows up for you or anything that really is, uh, could just be like forgotten about and that would be fine? (laughs) Well, I just think again, this access to capital, I think we have to put our, our creative hats on to say, how do we, how might we do things differently? I think that we take a look at spaces like crowdfunding and, and ask ourselves like, what role does that have in playing with uh, or helping women to start their companies, I think there's. Well, some... you were involved in a in a crowdfunding initiative. I read. I read in your in your bio mm-hmm. one of the first geared towards women, and it was sound like it. And you also said I think statistically one of your one of your podcasts that I listened to or interviews was that women tend to be more successful in crowdfunding than men. Yeah, they are, and I mean, so to go back to what's not working for a second, and then yeah. I'll transition back to why crowdfunding was. You know, that's just it's that access to the startup dollars, and you know, first you'll go to your friends and families, but it's also very difficult to get access to startup capital when you don't have that proven business model. Okay. And so it makes it challenging for any entrepreneur, but, um, crowdfunding is, is one way that the game is changing and, uh, women do tend to outperform men in that. And that there's a ton of, uh, speculation around why that is, uh, around our ability to create social circles, our, um, ability to, uh, give referrals and other women are more likely to buy upon, you know, a referral. Ability to create connection. 100%. And, and because we know that women are using social media more often and using that as a channel to communicate, they're being quite successful in crowdfunding. So, and we saw that in, in this campaign as well, because uh, 86% of women that participated met their funding goal. Oh, wow. That's which impressive. Is, which is huge. And because then what that allows... That's a great number. That's awesome. It, it is. And I, hmm. I believe, and I would have to go back, but I believe that with Kickstarter as a as a another type of crowdfunding, and we're talking about rewards-based crowdfunding here, but Kickstarter, I believe their average is about 37, 38% success rate when meeting funding goals. So over double. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, changing the model of crowdfunding and we really, uh, focused on education and role models through that process as well. So not making it just about the access to capital, but crowdfunding becomes an important piece for women because it's also helping them validate their, you know, well, you can, you're a marketer as well. If you don't have a customer at the end of the day, you don't have a business. So this is a great way for them. No matter how much of a good idea you think it might be. (laughs) 100% if the market says it's not there. I mean, it's, Yeah. yeah, your idea, you might have to go back and be agile, maybe think about how you can present it differently. But suddenly you have that validation and it's also helping with pre-sale. So when you're going to the next step in the lending, uh, suddenly you have something to say, well, I've got the market here. Yes, and that's, you've got, that's the hardest part about justifying. You've got some paper to prove that your idea yeah. is, is a good idea. Yeah. So I'm curious, I'm going to ask a really pointed question and maybe this is a the, man, woman, male, female, both have a similar idea. Both go in front of a group of venture capitalists. Is there, is there a barrier by gender that's pre baked into that situation? Yeah, this one's a loaded question. How much time do we have on this podcast? As much time as you want to talk about. <laughs> By the look on your face, I feel like, because I'm like, because that, I feel that's so ridiculous. I believe it. I get it. But 
I, we need to get rid of that. So t- the look on your face says you have lots of thoughts on this one. So please, to you. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, I'll, full disclosure, I don't work within the, uh, the venture capital space. Um, but here's an interesting study that I can tell you that Harvard did. And, and Harvard had uh, a business plan that was created. And, and this, in this business plan, they, mm. it was read by a male voice and in a female voice. And nothing changes except for the voice. And I, and I don't remember what the percentage was of funding, but it was, it was, um, material. So men were getting lent to more often than the women. And if you start diving into venture capital, I think the statistics in Canada are like two to 4% of capital are going to women majority led companies. That's a huge gap. And that huge gap tells us that if you think about venture capital too, that's also funding a lot of the future innovation. Yes. Right. And so, Potentially speaking, well, they're you arguably have betting on the future. Yes, one hundred percent. So, if if you're not funding these women-led businesses, you potentially risk having a world that doesn't meet the needs of fifty percent of its population. And it's purely from a business perspective. That's a huge opportunity that you're leaving on the table. Like, if you just want to straight up talk about, do I want all? You know, obviously, I've worked in the motorcycle industry for years. Uh, probably about five to eight years ago, all the motorcycle manufacturers went. We don't have any more guys to sell motorcycles to. We really need to start building one product, two campaigns, three marketing, three confident. We need to, like, just a simple business equation. Nothing else about yeah. gender equality, just like, guys, what are we doing? Well, it <laughs> We're is forgetting about case. half of the market. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's, when you're dealing with half the market, it's no longer a niche market. <laughs> like, that's a pretty significant portion <laughs> yes. of your customer base. And I think that's another, you know, uh, thing that we have to consider is that this is not a, a nice to have or a small niche market. It's it's fifty percent of your customer base. We've seen uh, like gym memberships. I mean, gyms are yes. a perfect example of what we're very male uh, focused, and and today that that image is is very different. And I think that's what we're trying to do within the banking and and the inve- in the investing. Uh, it's interesting. I was in the fitness industry years ago, and. It was in more personal training and personal service, nutrition coaching, that type of thing. The majority of our clients were women because guys were too busy thinking they knew everything to ask for help. <laughs> I might get busted for that, but that was just that's my own experience. Women were so much quicker to like help me, show me how to do it. I really want to make change. So it's funny when you move to the personal service side of that world. The women were your primary clientele, and guys were slowly coming into it. So it was almost like the other way around. It was quite funny. Yeah. Well, and I we see that in business too, right? Like women are, they want information, and because it's not that it's not that women don't want to take risks. I think they're actually very risk aware. And I think that's a big difference because um, what they're doing is they're looking at any decision with a a wider lens because, again, it goes back to their role of of potentially being the CEO of their families. They might be in that sandwich generation that are taking care of their kids and and elder parents. Um, And so women are, are assessing decisions based on a multitude of considerations. And so I think that's, you've, you've hit on something there when you're thinking about, like men, uh, very often, they, they're quicker to get from A to B. Women yeah, have yeah. a windier path and it doesn't yes, we mean... Can. Yes, we can be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah, it's absolutely. and I'm speaking in generalizations and I, always, I should always put that, you know, out there that I do speak in generalizations, but that is, that is one thing. I think that women definitely have uh, different consideration sets. I mean, we're still dealing with pay gaps as well. I mean, we're, we're yes. still, there's still major issues that are influencing the decisions that women have to make on a financial level. 
It's interesting. We, we, we are going to speak in generalizations. That's mm-hmm. kind of the fun of an environment like this where we can make statements. And you're working in an environment where you're looking for the biggest, like, say, quote unquote, trends of things you can change that can cause influence. So you have to be a little bit more general. Because like, in general, women operate more this way. So let's create a banking model or a finance model that supports that. It's hard not to be a little bit generalist. <laughs> well, it is. And, it, and I think that um, what we are seeing, like if you go back to a global level, a lot of the challenges that women, the challenges that women face are universal. We're not just isolated to women in Calgary or Alberta, yes. Canada. I mean, it's we're talking about Calgary, but with very in, in very broad, like global global concerns or global change. I'm going to say yeah. that's happening. Yeah. That's interesting. So when it comes to one of the things we want to we we're, we're, we're we struggle to look at uh, certainly through this podcast is what do we measure? What do we look at? How can we look out and say, okay, if I'm going to build my dashboard for transformation or my dashboard of Calgary moving in the right direction, if we put the filter on it of your world and what you're looking at from making things more accessible for women, what would be some of the measurements? Like what would be some of the, is it startups run by women? Is it more funding? Is it more like, what, what, what do, what do you look at for success? I think it's all of the above. I mean, you could, it's easy to start with how many uh, businesses have started over a course of time. One of the biggest challenges is that we've not had to track by uh, gender data. Okay. And so even part of that gender neutral model doesn't mean you're tracking by gender. Exactly. So we don't really have a true benchmark for what that looks like today. Um, but in an ideal world where we can make that change, uh, yeah, we're monitoring the number of women who are starting their companies, but we're also monitoring the number of women who are exporting or growing their companies. So you can look at growth through job creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look at growth by going into other markets. Length of time in business is also really important as well. I think there's, I think there's some key metrics that we can certainly look at to say what's, um, you know, how are women growing in this space? Like it's, it's not difficult. We just need the right starting place. Yes. And it's hard when you're kind of, what's your data set? What are you looking at? Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, you're right. It's all the same measurements we're applying. It's just, are you going to put a gender filter on it just to go, hey, are we are we shoring up this gap, this area where we had, like again, a huge portion of our contributors maybe potentially sitting on the sidelines? Yeah. And I think in banking, we often look to other parts of the world as well. And in the UK, one of the things that they have done recently is they've been able to um, have all the banks come together and the venture capitalists come together to have a code that's specific to women entrepreneurs. Mm. And what I love about that is it's a an awesome example of industry coming together to solve the solve the problem. This is an industry problem. It's not just a ATB or a, yes. you know, like this is an industry um, challenge. And so when you see, um, and, and this is being monitored by the federal treasury department as well. So everyone's going to report in and now they can say, well, we've grown the segment by this. It's impacted our GDP by this. And so you can start tailoring some of the outcomes once you have that data. Well, so good- I'd love to see Canada get to that place as well, because you know that we're in a time right now where women entrepreneurship is a is a big focus for Canada. It always won't be the case. Okay. You know, we have to be somewhat opportunistic in this time to to use this energy to make change. I would hope it's not the case because we've quote unquote solved it. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, we don't worry about that anymore because it's been dealt with. But I, like to your point, that's not in the next six to twelve months. One hundred percent. I mean, and that's I guess a great way to look at it too is that you know I I hope I'm not having these same conversations five ten years from now like there will be something wrong if if that's the case. That's all, I think I've referenced this in other podcasts. It's kind of the, it's called, I've, I've read, I listened to a TED talk and it was called the end of history phenomenon where you go, how much have you changed in the last five years? Oh my God, so much. How much are you going to change in the next five years? Oh, not too much. We're kind of where we're at. So I, I would I would present that I would like to hope and believe that five years ago if we were having this conversation, it would be very different than the conversation we're having today. And like everything in our world, it's going faster. So 
my hope is that we get better at it and get a, get away from these roadblocks or these quote unquote mistakes that are holding us back. <laughs> because now we know better. And once you take the blue pill, it's hard to go back or the red pill, whichever. <laughs> yeah, the it red is. pill, blue pill. What are you, what's yeah, it going to be? Yeah, absolutely. Because once you see it, you go, well, how could I ignore this any, any, any longer? Um, you made a comment earlier about talking about the access to capital, but it's not just money. It's it's mentorship. It's support. It's guidance. I'm assuming, based on our track record of it being very male dominated, do you find that women entrepreneurs aren't don't have the same size of support networks? Like, say, okay, they get the money. Like, we conquer step number one. We've got funding. What does that look like, and how could that impact us positively, or how could that grow, or is it growing? Is it changing now? I think it's changing now, and again, it goes back to the numbers because you know, even if you look at some of the incubators, they weren't designed with women in mind. A lot of the accelerators, incubators, it just didn't have that. Again, it goes back to being that, having that gender intelligence and understanding the differences that exist between men and women. But you have groups like Alberta Women Entrepreneurs who exist solely to help advance women. And that's through funding as well as education. But you're seeing a lot of grassroots movements. And I think that's, what's um, so great about this energy is that women are creating uh, solutions that haven't existed before. Uh, banks because, are because com- they approach things differently. Because they approach things differently, and there, there's that gap, so they're filling that gap and making businesses out of that gap. But also, financial institutions are starting to, to um, do more education pieces as well. Um, and it's not just about entrepreneurship, but it's about wealth management as well. So it's, I think there's a lot that's happening from an education standpoint and, and networking that traditionally has not been there. Uh, there's there's events every week. There's the ACE class. I'm not sure if you've met Mandy Ballack. She's doing some amazing things. I met her years ago. I haven't. So yeah, she's, it's funny. I threw, I put her, I was going through like Calgarians that I would love to have on the show. And it's funny. She's on my, my notes. So that's great. So Amazing. You know, and when you asked me earlier. This might be earlier, my catalyst <laughs> to get her on the show because I'd like to shout with her well, as well. And when you said earlier, who's, uh, who's one of your role models, I would definitely say Mandy. I mean, she's an entrepreneur. She's a community builder. Um, huge social impact. Yes, she has. And uh, I love what she's doing. But I mean, she's got the ACE class and they have a events and she's been able to scale across the country as well. So it's, it's changing for sure. And I think that women are creating communities, but they're finding communities and they're just, they're growing in numbers because we have more women now saying, Hey, I want to be like that. And it's interesting. There's both sides. There's women that with capital, they're looking for a way to, to get it, to activate mm-hmm. it and to, and to support in other women's groups or just get it off the sidelines. So it's not just the startup side of it. There is a whole community out there that we bring it all, bring it all together. So you, you called out a few, but any, any must, like I'm a woman, I'm listening to this. I'm a guy. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm someone listening to this mm-hmm. and I want to get more involved. What are some of the go-to events or things that you really, that you value and you hold in high regard that are, you know, sure you can travel, but what's right here in town? Well, Startup Calgary is amazing. It depends on what where your business is at. If you're in ideation, then uh, if you're in that phase, then you want to be able to go to places more like the Startup Calgary's and connecting with people that are in, with the rainforest. Uh, find co-working spaces, work nicer. We've got the ATB Entrepreneur Centers where we've got strategists there that can help with business planning and, and getting your business you know, from ideation to, to launch. Um, Again, networking groups, like there's multiple different avenues. Alberta Women Entrepreneurs has a peer spark program, which is more of a mentorship program. So okay. once you're in your business, now helping you to scale that. We also have the ATB Accelerator program. And I think that's got about 60% women in it. So it's still diverse, but we're seeing that there's more women in that program now to the point of education. So there's places to, to go. Uh, we can certainly be a catalyst for those introductions as well. 
which is Calgary is such a great it's the biggest small town I've ever lived in mm-hmm. if you just ask one or two people someone's going to know somebody next thing you're having a coffee and things it's a catalyst from there so you say you look globally you mentioned looking at Europe what's happening some of the banking is there other cities or is there other areas that you look to and go wow okay they, they were us 10 years ago or there's certain geographic where you know women have excelled or maybe just overall in businesses do you look to anywhere in particular well, yeah, I mean, you can't help but look, and there's different, I mean, you can look at to the developing countries even just to see how fintechs are changing, mm-hmm. changing the world. So, they're, I mean, they're trying to solve different problems there and getting more women into the workforce as well as um, into entrepreneurship. But I think, you know, Canada is still a leader when it comes to women's entrepreneurship. And I was recently in a conference in Paris, and it was the Financial Alliance for Women. And we are seen as a leader in women's entrepreneurship. And that's it. It's, it's always good to because you never really know how you look to the outside world. So that's great to hear that. That's, mm-hmm. That that, and, that brings me that brings me joy to well, hear that. Well, <laughs> you know, it brought me a lot of joy as well to be there as a Canadian. And and there was only a few pride. Canadians there. <laughs> Canadian and pride. One hundred percent. And and it, the uh, U.S. also does a really good job at attracting entrepreneurs. And I think that it's just harnessing that full potential it's the potentials there the talents there and it's it's colliding with education and and it's colliding with you know youth and again the system doesn't just start in in the financial world or the entrepreneurship level it's what are we teaching in universities how are we speaking to to young women about opportunity and career paths and how are we helping women in big corporations get into leadership positions because a lot of times women are coming out of these big organizations to start their own right because they weren't able to oftentimes like, Hey, if I was able to be supported or do what I wanted to do here, I wouldn't have left, but I wasn't. So I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've had a lot of those conversations of like, well, if it was giving me what I needed, I would have stayed, but I didn't. And here we go. And which I still love that. Cause that's sometimes the catalyst that we all need to kind of go, well, I could stay here or I go down this scary road, <laughs> this entrepreneur road, mm-hmm. which is scary for set gender aside going, I'm going to put, go all in on this idea. That's a tough road for, forget about gender being a roadblock. Just the concept itself is challenging. Mm-hmm. One, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, so overarching words of advice. You, you work with women all the time. You're in the sector. Anything like, because we've got people now, they're going to be listening, hanging on your every word. What advice would you give a, a female entrepreneur that's in any of the stages? I'm, they're in, I'm an idea phase. I'm running my business phase. I'm in a scaling phase. Is there any kind of overarching words of advice that you've picked up along the way? For me, it's not being scared to ask questions and not being scared to reach out to people that you admire to say, how did you do this? Uh, and really putting a solid team around you. I re- I'm a huge believer in bringing sort of personal advisory committees to the table. And I think your key business partners are would be people in finance, people in uh, accounting, and even law, if you have friends that are in that, because those are your key business partners. Like They're the ones that really help you um, al- along the life of your business. But having other entrepreneurs, having like-minded people around you, and honest people, people who are going to challenge your ideas and not just say you've got a great idea, like people that are going to give you not that just critical, tell you how, how smart you are. <laughs> yeah, like don't go ask your mother for advice, right? Or her opinion on, on what your idea is. Cause chances Depends, are, depends you know, on your mom, but that's, well, another, that's another story. <laughs> that could be true both sides. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you're just really knowing like you, you who to call. And so my advice is just keep your networks open. Say yes. Say yes to things that are are aligning to what your vision is. And so that if it might be volunteering at something that uh, might expose you to people that you wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity getting, to getting involved. get involved, but in the places where it makes sense to get involved. And that's going to be challenging because at the beginning, it's easy because everything kind of almost looks like it fits. As you're refining the idea, you're becoming more, you know, I even joke when we were like a couple of staff, 
hiring was way more challenging because you couldn't look back and go, okay, what does this need to be like? But then you grow and you get a little bit more of that critical mass. You start to get a lot more centered in it. I think that's the hard part for every entrepreneur is what am I like, saying? Saying no is sometimes you're more defined by what you say no to versus what you say, say yes to. And that takes a lot of, that takes a lot of discipline and, and sometimes just practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, and saying no is a huge part too, right? <laughs> because I think it's really easy to sometimes to want to be all things to all people and you start diluting your energy and your impact when you do that. I do think sometimes it is the curse of the quote unquote entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I could do that. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I know that for a lot of years saying no was my, was my Achilles heel and or you, maybe saying yes was. Well, and, and you're right. Like, cause it, it can be your Achilles heel and, uh, they, but they, on the other hand, they always say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Uh, so cause they'll, cause, 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 because they'll find time. That's right. So in terms of your path, as, as this continues to unfold, how do you see, um, is it, how do you see your role in this, just continuing to push it forward? I know you're involved in a lot of different associations and advisory committees, and you're, you're kind of, I feel like you've gone, you're all in on this. Yeah, I'm, oh my gosh, am I all in on it? <laughs> I read your bios, like she is living, breathing, sleeping, eating, drinking this thing. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, it's, it's, I get when people say they're just called to do something, and uh, this, this has always felt like something that I was just born to do my experience everything culminated to this to this moment in time and so my my hope and what my future will, role will be is to continue to say how do we break barriers so that women can reach their full economic potential and and being a huge champion for women and and having really courageous conversations and asking tough questions and I know sometimes that you know I'm kind of like that you know that kid that always asks why you know and your parents ultimately get annoyed with that but and everyone around you but I, I can't help but keep asking why and we live we live in a world where we it's changing so fast that that question why can't go away and so you know, my, my role is to is just to say how, how, you know, why does the world look like this and how do we design it just to continue to make sure that it's relevant? That's fantastic. Why? Because it's funny, the answer to that why changes because everything around you changes so quickly. Um, what's the best way to get hold of you? If someone wants to reach out, touch base, maybe attends a, a talk that you're doing. I'm assuming, assuming you do a lot of speaking. I do yeah, a lot of feel, speaking. Feel, got anything coming up that anyone could go and uh, check out? Well, we have the uh, Women's Entrepreneurship Day Summit, which is the first time it's being held in Canada. So that's going to be on in November, uh, November 14th. It's hosted at Mount Royal University. Oh, and it's here. In, first time so in Canada first and it's time here in, in Calgary. Canada. And uh, yeah, we have an audacious... Uh, uh, oh, what is it? A big, hairy, audacious. Oh, the good old bee hag. Uh, yes. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. So do I. I really hate so that do word. I. But yet I use here, it occasionally. Yeah, here it is coming out of me here. But <laughs> we have this goal to um, to have November nineteenth, which is which is unofficially Women's Entrepreneurship Day, uh, which is celebrated in one hundred and forty four countries around the world, and we're trying to have that day officially proclaimed here in Canada. So, you know, just really calling, um, bringing, celebrating again that women's entrepreneurial spirit and celebrating the journey and celebrating the where we were and and where we're going and uh, and everyone's welcome to attend that so we've got tons of allies that are you know I think men play a really important role and we haven't really got into this conversation in in or this part of, uh in our conversation but male as allies and as champions and as right. mentors are they I mean they play a key role so for women who are wanting to get in touch with me I mean certainly reach out to me you can reach out to me by my email which is spestun p-e-s-t-u-n at atb.com I'm also on Instagram I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter as well so if we want to find you there's a way there's a way I like what you said there, and I think it's good to not leave it un- unsaid. Uh, you and I talked about this earlier, even a little bit. This isn't this is a woman initiative at the sacrifice of men. This is a team mm-hmm. sport. This is we want a hundred percent of our resources available. I think it's really good to clarify that because I think sometimes there is still some stigma around that, or I've encountered it, and I think it's unnecessary. It's like no, we need everybody around the table together, supporting each other. 
This isn't just women supporting, it's, it's women supporting men, men supporting women. That's the way I look at business as a team sport in my world. Mm-hmm. I guess I would look at myself more as a catalyst and maybe a connector between men and women. I, I struggle sometimes with um, how, a po- how polarizing this conversation can be. Um, I walked into this role, you know, accidentally because I, I saw a problem. And once you see a problem, uh, it's hard not to... It's the red pill, blue you know, pill. Right, exactly. Like, you can't unsee it. And so I started to say, well, how do I be a part of that of that change? But my biggest champions have been have been men. And, and I consult with uh, my mentors, men and women, um, all the time to say, like, what, what, you know, how do I, how do, I do this? Like, I, this is a huge challenge that I don't have all the answers to, so I need those people around me. And, and men are a critical part of it because they've also had the experience and been here longer. Right. And, uh, well, it's different perspectives, which is what you, that's what you it comes need, right down to. You need different perspectives. I mean, we know that when you have diversity on boards, how much better these companies are performing. Yes. So I'm not saying this is all, all women, and I want to be really careful about that. It's, but I do believe that the, the understanding of, of being a woman and understanding these challenges and being able to have different conversations allows us the advocacy voice. It allows us to sort of propel, you know, the message. Um, but in a lot of ways, you know, feminism is like the new F word. And I struggle with that, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I, I want to be able to be seen as a social change agent. And, right. and I believe that advancing gender equality is everyone's responsibility. And I love that the feminism is a new F word and it isn't about, it's so easy to draw attention to the female side because that's where the gap is right now, arguably. So you focus on it and then it's easy to feel like, oh yeah, but you're focusing on this. So then therefore there's this reverse alienation or this kind of, that's not where we're after. No, uh, no, not at all. I think it's just really good to clarify that because I think it's a, it's a landmine that can get stepped on. Mm. Yeah. And I appreciate you calling that, you know, in this, in this part of our, in our conversation, because I think it is really important that what we're trying to do is build a better, stronger, more equitable world. And everybody benefits from that. And especially when we take a look at women who are building stronger communities and and really are community minded, uh, like there's nothing to lose in that. No, it's no, there's upside. And, and if everyone's able to play to their strengths, quote unquote, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, when we're in a time where we are in Calgary, where we're dealing with economic challenges, there isn't just, you know, the economy is, everyone is dealing with the challenge in one way. Like it's affected all of us in some way this last five years. I want every perspective at the table. I want everyone's ideas because why would I limit myself to the one idea that could change it because of gender? That's, that's ridiculous in my mind. Yeah, well, and to, to mine as well. <laughs> it just doesn't even make sense. I want, I want everyone, uh, I want everyone on board. So I really appreciate the perspective you brought. I'm glad we caught that at the end because it would be easy to go through this because we've been focusing on quote unquote, the part that we need to change and where mm-hmm. obviously what your role is and what you're focusing on, but to step back and go, Hey, just so I'm clear, this is this is an encompassing initiative. Yeah. This isn't a this, we're not just alienating a new group on the to, to lift another one up. Mm-hmm. And I find it's so easy to go this left right polarization kind of approach. No, 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 no. We're all going to be in it, in it together. It sounds so oversimplified, but I think it gets very polarizing very quickly, and it doesn't benefit anyone. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think when we recognize the differences between men and women in their decision making, too, especially financially, like women control eighty five percent of purchasing decisions, and there's that multiple. As a marketer, I'm very clear on that statistic. You know, you're really aware of that. And when you think that women are starting up businesses faster than, or growing uh, in their numbers and representation faster than than men, and you think about the wealth that they're inheriting. I mean, there's women are potentially they potentially have two inheritance in their lifetime. You know, unfortunately, the passing of our our, you know our families, our parents, and then with a spouse because we're living longer. 
And so you think about the financial impact. These are all things that, that are have. just true. These are all things These that are, are just, all, this is just factual. This is just factual. Yes. So mm. the, the female economy and understanding the power of it is a very important conversation for, no matter who you are. Back to that business conversation of like, let's not leave any opportunity off the table. That is the reality of the future if you extrapolate out the graph. And like you said, this isn't the next one to two, three years. We're looking three, five, 10, 20 years out, 50 years out of what world we want to live in. And when you talk about Calgary from a transformational perspective and where are we going to be down the road, it's not, you know, it's not in the next six months. We hope things get better, but let's be deliberate about the next 10 years from now. Right. Absolutely. And I feel this is a whole nother episode if we want to open up this can of worms. <laughs> Shannon, thank you so much for coming in today. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And I encourage you. anyone to reach out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.